Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. Derek Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Florida loses a tough one at Arkansas. I think one of the more frustrating basketball games of, of this strange season, Eric. Yeah, it really was. I mean, uh, Florida comes out flat. That's something we maybe could have expected coming off the pause, uh, but then had a chance to get into it, uh, brought it back, uh, then kind of the the final score uh, was not really indicative of that. I mean, if you would have looked at the final score, you were probably would be surprised to know that Florida led with around three minutes left, just by one, of course. But I mean, when you lose by 11, uh, that's pretty wild. And uh, there was even some moments where the officiating uh, seemed a little bit lopsided, a couple of very unfortunate calls and um, not in Florida's uh, favor. I would say even just like uh, the one time where they had a little – four on three break but the, the shot clock didn't reset so they had to blow it dead and that would have been a key opportunity for the gators to, to maybe tie the game so there was just some moments like that that were like frustrating with some of the bounces frustrating with some things like that just how the how things go and then a little bit frustrating with how florida played but uh yeah just uh just a strange watch which uh, i'm sure was the case for you as you uh yeah you had to watch it after you were coaching yeah, no, I watched it on tape delay after our uh, what ended up being our last game of the season, but um, came came out and knew the score. So unlike an earlier game, Eric, where I didn't know the score when I tape delayed, other than that Florida lost, I didn't know the score of the Mississippi State game, which was the last one. Uh, I knew, well, I guess I knew Florida lost, and I knew they had a three to tie. So I kind of knew, I guess, what happened. But here all I saw was the score, and I was like, Oh man, that was interesting. And then I watched it and Eric will tell you, I, I was shooting him texts as I was watching the uh, game. And, and I think that maybe the easiest way to kind of reconstruct what happened is to break it down. We haven't done a lot of half by half shows this year. We've kind of just, uh, and I've enjoyed just talking about like general thoughts, you know, like here are a few thoughts we have, but I think half by half works when you come out of the COVID pause and uh, Florida pretty stagnant on offense. And then I'm not really sure what they were trying to do defensively. Uh, played a little zone, which Arkansas ate alive. Uh, and, um, you know, just not very active uh, in the ways that we saw at times, other than the South Carolina game in the winning streak before the South Carolina game. Right. I mean, Florida started trying to uh, trying to sit in the gaps, playing mad defense, but, but pack it in a little bit. Uh, that didn't go super well uh, in the first half. Um, and then, of course, uh, I guess we're doing half by half, so we don't have to get into it as, as much at the moment. But it was the second half where they uh, they go a little bit to the matchup zone. They play one through one a little bit. But uh, uh, what uh, what was really a problem in the first half was just, again, some of the issues they have, just not being able to guard straight line drives. It just uh, – they just don't have, uh, they just don't have someone on the perimeter who can really clamp down an opposing team's best player. And then you've just got situations where it just seems like Florida spends the whole shot clock defensively in rotation. Like it just always seemed like Moses Moody was getting a step on someone and getting into the paint and scrambling Florida or uh, Devonte Davis, who was just spectacular. Uh, really impressed with his game, um, where he he was just getting by whoever 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 was guarding him, and then uh, Florida was just forced to. Um, forced to be in closing out, closing out and um, scrambling back towards the rim. And uh, again, and it was, it was a game where uh, I don't, I don't think Florida would be particularly, particularly pleased with their defensive effort. 
Yeah, and it was, you know, I thought like for 15 minutes of the game, maybe for the, yeah, about 15 minutes of the game, Eric, um, where a team that was averaging 83 points per game coming in and and in their last four was a little over 1.1 a possession uh, in three of their four wins. Um, three of their, well, I guess I think they might have more than four wins in a row, but in their three of their last four games over 1.1 per possession, uh, and Florida stifled them, took the lead with three minutes to go, like you mentioned, and it held them to 21 points and 16 points in the that in a 15-minute stretch, which is really good. Um, what did you see that was going right defensively in that stretch? Because that's obviously what the staff's going to say. We have to replicate this defense uh, or at least play closer to it, and it's hard to say that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to be a wet blanket here, but even looking back at that run, like there was a, you know, there's one play where Florida was in their their kind of three two matchup zone, and uh, they just kind of lost lost a cutter right to the middle of the floor, and then Arkansas tried to float it into him, just almost like shocked that he got that open and just threw a terrible pass way over the top of the open man to the back line of Florida's defense. There was a, uh, and it was a turnover. There was one time where. Um, Scotty Lewis, who just spent half of the game in the air because he was jumping on pump fakes, uh, bit really hard on a on a on a on a pump fake. And when he when he came down, I mean, he was in the air for so long, um, he just kind of surprised the Arkansas players, slapped it away, and got got the ball. And and again, like again, not trying to be uh, too negative here, but there there wasn't really much from that stretch that I thought, oh, there like there we go. That's that's something that Florida is really doing well. That that's working for them defensively. Um, I thought they played really hard. There's no question. There was some definite effort plays where they shot gaps and um, were able to get some stops that way. But there's nothing from a particular schematic standpoint that I'm like, oh great, um, go back to that zone where you lull them into a false sense of security by giving them an open player after they've already knifed your zone, so they think they can do anything about it, and then and then hope they overthrow it. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know, Neil. Maybe you saw it a little bit differently. Maybe, please, Neil. Actually, I, I, I beg of you, actually, please come with something more positive than than what I just had to say. Well, no, I mean, I see, I see a lot of the points you're missing, making, and I also see 16 points in 15 minutes from the opposing team. Um, so, how do you do that? You know, and I thought what two of those came where on another one of the kind of weird, frustrating occurrences you were mentioning, where I think Castleton and Osiah Sifo had like three different rebounds, and the ball took just really strange bounces on all of them, and eventually Arkansas is able to get a putback. So what I would say is this is less defense, but Florida bodied people up and rebounded much better in the second half. So they were limiting the sort of second chance and hustle opportunities that like Justin Smith was getting in the first half, which were very frustrating. Yeah, it's a good point. And uh, of course we saw a lot of, a lot of Osifo in this one uh, more than, uh, maybe I would have expected, but that's kind of how how Asifo's kind of been, been rolled out this uh, this season. There's just doesn't play, and then then sometimes he plays a lot more. We we saw the Gators go to to a little bit uh, a little bit bigger at times, and and even getting Samson Resensive out there who had some tough moments, but he does bring a little bit more length. And um, I think we did get to see uh, a little bit more of of. Uh, 
of, of Scotty Lewis at the three, which, which just is obviously going to bring a little bit more size and rebounding than, than when they go the three guards. So um, that, that is true. And I mean, something that was pretty interesting was the fact that like, man, I thought Connor Vanover was very, very effective in the first half and uh, Florida was able to, to kind of get him out of the game by, um, by keeping him off the glass and, uh, and kind of, taking away his effectiveness that way. So that, that way. So, um, I, I mean, man, after those, the, the first kind of first stretch, I thought, Oh man, like Florida's in for a long one with Vanover, but yeah, they were, they were able to get him out of the game. And, um, some of the players did work for some good fronts on him, made it a little, little bit tougher for him to catch the ball. So yeah, I guess it wasn't, wasn't all negative on the, on the defensive, uh, the defensive end there. Well, you asked me to look for something positive. So these are the, these are things I came up with and, and we totally went off the script that we tried to establish where we went oh, half okay. by half and that's fine. I, I do want to get back to the first half. I had a couple thoughts. I texted you them and, and kind of refined them after texting them to you last night, but I'll make two bullet points and, and maybe you can talk about that. I thought it was two relatively decent scouts because, um, what had been effective against Arkansas had been drive and kick basketball. Um, and Florida obviously put an em- emphasis on attacking the paint off the dribble, trying to draw help defense and kick. Uh, in the first half, um, I didn't think they were as intentional in the way that they were driving the basketball. Uh, I thought it was kind of like, let's just get into the paint and when the help comes, you know, maybe we'll be able to – they weren't threatening the rim as much. Maybe some of that was Vanover. Maybe some of it was they were surprised at how active Jalen Tate and Justin Smith are, which I think is something we talked about on the preview that that they would be. Um, but Florida still did generate quite a few open looks for three missed shots. Um, so that's point A. Maybe I'll let you stop me there and, and kind of comment on – uh, Florida, well, you know what? The second one's really quick. So let's just do them both together. Arkansas dropping pick and roll coverage. Good scout by Arkansas. Saw that South Carolina was effective with it. Really took Florida out of their ball screen pick and roll offense uh, in the first half. Although, I again, watching the game, and I watched the first half twice uh, just because I try to keep up with Eric sometimes. And um, I do think some of – some of it was Florida was content with that because their plan was to try to get into the paint more. Um, but certainly they weren't getting the baskets that the easy buckets we've seen Florida get this season on the pick and roll either. Yeah. Well, the thing, the thing that I want to talk about first is the fact that Arkansas did drop pick and roll coverage. And that was a true adjustment by them. Like that was uh, something that if you look at their, their recent games, they hedged ball screen defense and they, uh, something we talked about on the podcast, even with something they did earlier in the season and what Musselman has always done in that switch pick and rolls. Uh, they didn't do either of those things. Uh, they, they dropped pick and roll coverage and they haven't done that all season. So the fact that they did that against Florida uh, shows that they made an adjustment based off their scout. So I'm sure that they saw what, uh, what South Carolina did and, and said, Hey, that was awesome. Um, let's try that out. And we've got a seven foot three guy in Vanover who we can drop. So even better. So they did pretty well at it, but it was also funny because you could, you could also tell that that's not like totally what they do because they did have some lapses. Um, and some of them, this kind of goes into the first point, open three pointers for the Gators. Uh, they lost Noah Locke on a couple of Florida side ball screens where 
Um, Noah Locke sets a ram action where he screens for Florida's five man who goes sets the ball screen. Then after Noah Locke sets that screen, he gets a flare to the corner. So against um, against South Carolina, they just stuck with Noah Locke because they're playing drop pick and roll coverage. They're going two for two. They're not engaging a, a help defender. So they just stuck with Noah Locke. That look was never there. Arkansas uh, was you could tell their weak side players are still used to having to be involved in these actions. So they, uh, they lost Noah Locke um, and Noah Locke got some great looks, some wide open looks at corner threes and they didn't fall. And I, I mean, that's going to happen. That's basketball. Uh, that sucks because again, I thought he has some, some good quality looks that um, uh, yeah, wouldn't, would normally fall for one of the best shooters in the country. So uh, there was definitely some of that, that I would just say is definitely poor luck. And I would also just say uh, that is where rust showed up. If we had to say, you know, how, how rusty was Florida coming off the break. Um, I think you have to look at some of those wide open threes from him. You look at some of the wide open threes from Trey Mann. You look at some of those dribble dribble into threes that Tyree Appleby had where he was like one for seven. I mean, uh, definitely some rest, uh, some rest there, but uh, uh, that was, I, I just think again, like talking about like maybe some bigger picture stuff. I mean, the book, the book is kind of out on how to beat Florida. Florida is very, very reliant on the pick and roll. Um, there is a style of defense and that's dropping pick these pick and rolls that has been very effective for two teams. Um, one of them in Arkansas is a very talented team. One of them is a South Carolina team. That's maybe not as talented. Um, one of the teams in South Carolina really executed the defense really well and had success and Arkansas only did it pretty well and they had really good success. So like where Florida goes moving forward, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see because, uh, yeah, any any team that um, that scouts before their game is going to say, "Hey, Arkansas and South Carolina, they just uh, bottled up Florida in the exact same way." So, coach's corner. I mean, what are you doing if you're Mike White and the staff to adjust to to, to teams dropping pick and roll coverage? Uh, well, the easiest thing to do to beat a drop, I mean, you know, easier in quotation marks is is to pick and pop. I mean, if the the guy gar- the guarding the screener is going to drop down to the nail or even below, uh, the pick and pop is going to be open. So for Florida, um, if you set the ball screen with Omar Payne or Colin Castleton, uh, it makes it very easy to drop. And I know Mike White has said Colin Castleton is someone who can shoot threes. I think he might have shot in what Neil, Neil, do you remember this? I, I don't remember. I, th- I, I feel like I, he shot one three. It might have been a long two that like, to miss the rim entirely and hit uh, nothing but backboard. So like that wasn't a great jump shot, but like, you know, if, if, if Mike White wants Colin Castleton to shoot threes, um, he'll be able to catch the ball on a pick and pop, uh, get the temperature, see the wind direction and, and take as much time as he needs to put up. The threes. But, <laughs> so, so that's there. Um, the other option is um, man, like uh, instead of, instead of those guys setting a screen, like, Let's uh, let's work on Scotty Lewis being a screener. Um, he's someone who can hit shots when he gets his feet set. Let's see if uh, let's see if his defender will drop and let's see if we can pick it up for him. Um, Anthony Deruji, maybe same thing. I'm not sure entirely how many threes you want to see Deruji taking, but but again, if teams are going to aggressively drop it like they like they do, he's going to have time to get his feet set and and get a good look, or he's going to force a rotation where um, someone is going to have to rotate to him and he can get a quick ball swing. Uh, so. Uh, that, that's certainly something that, that, that's kind of the like easiest, Hey, if you're going to, if a team's going to drop pick and roll coverage, um, uh, th- that's what you can do. Um, 
uh, the other thing I would that you could certainly do is 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 bring another defender to uh, uh to screen like when, and Florida had a little bit of success kind of with when they have two bigs out and they have the second big that's uh, uh, that's sealing the help. You can kind of do do something like that um, because still again if you're going to drop pick and roll coverage, there is definitely a point where uh, the drop defender has to engage the ball handler. So if you can, um, I, I would go for a little bit more of a delayed action of, of screening that drop defender versus Florida who right from the beginning. Um, seals him you can definitely have some success with that but it becomes a little harder but uh yeah those are just some some things that uh that i look at when a team's dropping pick and roll coverage to, to great effect yeah the second point you made was was actually a way that florida got uh, a couple baskets with tyree appleby in the second half um on the the late screening action by the second big so i think you know that's certainly something that you can do uh i don't know yeah i mean I'd like to see them do the screening action with with Lewis if you're going to try to pick and pop more than Daruji. But you know Daruji's taken 33 threes this year, and and Scotty Lewis has only taken 21 three pointers. Wow. Um, so you know uh, just a lot of tentativeness to Scotty Lewis's game, and it's maybe something we can get into a bit. Uh, but I thought he did play some aggressive basketball early in the second half, uh, and you know whether you blame Mike White for switching up his rotation or you blame Scotty Lewis for just being over aggressive defensively, whether it's leaving his feet or being a little spazzy the way that he uh, closes out or just a little over aggressive and bodying people up. Um, you know, he really picked up a costly fourth foul and it kind of took the air out of Florida sales in a run. Yeah, I mean, he was the worst defender for jumping on pump fakes and, and closing out wildly. He wasn't the only one. And, man, if you're going to play, uh, we'll call it the pack line. It's really not the true pack line. But if you're going to sit in the gaps like Florida is doing right now because they are struggling to drive straight line dri- or guard straight line drives, uh, you, that whole defense is is forcing yourself into closeout situations. Like if you play like Texas Tech or, uh, or Baylor or South Carolina in the SEC uh, where you deny ball reversal and you really get out into passing lanes, you're not closing out that much. You're you're more doing your your work really early to deny passes entirely to force offensive players to have to go further out to catch the ball. So you're not putting yourself into closeout situations. But if you are sitting in the gap in a pack line and you've got to have your you know one foot in the paint or close to it, um, you're going to allow the ball to move around the perimeter. And every time that ball moves, you have to close out and it has to be a good closeout and it has to be an under control closeout. And 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 right now it's it's again it's 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 Tyree Appleby it's it's Anthony Drugi who had that really scary play where he almost landed on his neck that's like the worst play in basketball where a guy jumps in the air and gets pump faked and then undercuts him um, but but again like there's there's just so much flying around and when Florida was playing a more aggressive style of defense where um, they got into passing lanes a little bit more and then if the ball did end up getting swung they would you know really aggressively close out and send that guy towards you know Kavarius Hayes a couple of years ago they had really good success with that style of defense and would you like them would you like players flying out to shooters and, and jumping on pump fix you probably still don't but your defense is somewhat equipped to handle that but if you're going to play the pack line you you just can't you can't leave your feet ever it's it's watch any of the good pack line teams i'll I'll look at loyola chicago right now just an incredible pack line defensive team um a team that used that style of defense to beat florida a couple years ago and go to the final four they're just so under control and um just just florida's footwork within within sitting in the gaps and and closing out it's it's 
it's not good right now. And it just, it, it, it does look like a team that's not totally used to that style of defense. Um, and a, Hey, I guess the, it has been an adjustment, but um, yeah, this is just my, my long way of saying that uh, if you're, if you're going to, cl- if you're going to leave your feet on defense, especially in the style of defense, that Florida's trying to play right now, it's, it's especially damaging. And uh, like you mentioned, Neil, it, it made it really tough for, for Lewis to stay on the floor and, and for him to get his rhythm. Yeah. I mean, he only plays 15 minutes, um, which, you know, I don't think was ever the plan. Uh, I thought it was a very difficult game for Trey Mann. Uh, and some of that I would assess to be a little bit of Trey and, and uh, the rust that it's hard to have a rhythm to your game when you haven't played in 13 days. And he's very much a rhythm player offensively. Uh, but I also thought that, you know, Trey showed a lot of, of uh, character defensively um, last night and played some of his better defense and I thought some of that he's tasked to do because Scotty Lewis isn't on the floor. And Florida did a really nice job, Eric, on Moses Moody. I mean, a lot of his numbers were inflated by late free throws. Uh, otherwise, you know, he's one for seven from behind the arc, um, you know, forced him into some tough twos, uh, you know, and, and we talked about how Arkansas is very unselfish and they have a lot of ways to beat you. And I think Moses Moody – was demonstrative of that. You know, he shared the basketball, but Florida still did a pretty nice job of swallowing him up. And a lot of that was Trey Mann, but there was never much on the offensive end. And I wonder if Scotty Lewis could have better control and play with more foul discipline if, if that changes things a bit for Florida. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there was some good Scotty Lewis moments. He did come a, come away with some some steals, and he had the one the one finish I, I really liked from him um, was where uh, he just kind of sprinted at full court and, and caught the ball in a little half transition play where he didn't have to bounce the ball and he protected it from Vanover and finished like that. That's what we need from from Scotty Lewis, just mm-hmm. who can finish without having to handle the ball. Uh, I, I'm glad you pointed out Trey Mann's defense. I, I thought he defended really well. He's someone who seems a lot more comfortable in 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 the the pack line style of defense like okay i kind of alluded to it and i wasn't going to go down this rabbit hole but n- now i will i'm talking about the footwork of pack line defense versus um versus like a deny defense is like so so if you're a team that sends help from the opposite baseline like florida used to be um and you're sitting on the weak side of the floor uh all your all your weight is probably going to be on your outside foot because you need to be able to explode into the paint to to help out if you're the weak side defender you're kind of sitting with your man but your weight's on your outside foot because you're ready to you're ready to go into the paint um what the pack line is is you kind of have to sit in help and then you have to get ready to close out to your man so you want your weight to be on your inside foot so that when you push off you can get back to a shooter so again i i, I see guys like anthony deruji and scotty lewis who are as athletic as anything but they lose their athleticism because their weight's on the wrong foot and when it comes to close out they have nothing there They're they're late. They leave their feet. Game over. Uh, but Trey Mann, he's someone who um, I saw his weight was all loaded on the right foot. Um, he was sitting in help and just just timed his takedowns um, really well. Um, just uh, and, and Trey Mann kind of has that kind of like effortless glide to his game. Like yeah. he, he's he, just the way like both offensively and defensively, he just kind of like floats on the court sometimes. I don't mean that as like a negative float. Like I just mean like like he hovers. He just looks so smooth on his feet. Yeah, um, no, it's great. And uh, I mean, we see that too. There was a you know, Gators basketball Twitter account when they, whenever they put out a, a you know a video of uh, the guys working on the agility ladder, you see Trey Mann on it. It's just it's poetry. Um, and, and again, just see him navigate around screens. Um, I, I I thought he played a really good defensive game, which did kind of um, 
lightened the load of a, of a night where, yeah, he, he did struggle offensively. Yeah, I mean, he had the lowest offensive rating on the floor with the highest usage rate. So hmm. uh, it was a tough one for Trey. And, and Florida's going to have trouble winning a game where it's a really tough one for Trey and Collins playing, you know, who knows, 70 80% on his ankle. And Scotty Lewis is on the floor for 15 minutes. And Noah Locke, maybe the best three-point shooter in the country, goes two for nine and one for seven from downtown. Now, look, those are all – Things that are going to be hard to win any night, much less on the road against a really hot team coming off a 13-day COVID break uh, when it's negative 15 degrees outside and it was 70 when you left uh, sunny Gainesville. I'm not – these aren't excuses, and I know people are going to you know, RIP my mentions, I guess. But these are just all factual things <laughs> that occurred. Uh, and so Florida made it hard on themselves, which I think was really frustrating because to me – um, you know, it's a bit of a missed opportunity. One thing I, I know that we need to talk about is rotations because whether it was the COVID pause or, you know, again, Mike White has just tinkered a lot more than this year than he normally would have because of what happened to Keontae Johnson. It really does come back to that for me, I think, Eric. Um, or, you know, he was trying to figure out how to get stops uh, defensively or to start the second half. He was really mad at the starters, which, you know, um, was was mentioned to me by a couple people that, uh, you know, were with the team in Arkansas. Uh, that wasn't that was one of the more irate Mike White locker rooms that they had ever been around. Um, so, you know, your thoughts on that. And then let me ask you a secondary question for that and then be quiet. I'm going on a faucet rant here. <laughs> uh, do were you surprised that Noah Locke played 31 minutes given Florida's struggle to stop straight line drives and the fact that he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn yesterday? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I was. Uh, okay. I, I was surprised because again, I just think that Noah Locke, like Neil, do you think that Noah Locke is a plus basketball player at anything other than shooting? right now no. in, his, in his basketball career. I, no. I, I agree with you. I, I, I don't think so. I, uh, so the, the opportunity cost of having Noah Locke out there is that you're going to have someone who, you know, we can argue is if he's an average defender um, or let me correct my answer. <laughs> Taking care of the basketball has always been a strength. Uh, I, I, I mean, that is, that that's is fair. Um, that's it. That's it. Uh, it, it, it's true. I mean, uh, but, but again, the, the opportunity costs him out there. Like, like, again, he takes care of the ball, but it's because he doesn't put himself into risky offensive right. positions too often because he doesn't have that part to his offensive game. Um, I, I mean, if you look at the play at best turnover rate players in the country, it's all catch and shoot guys. It's because they catch and shoot or they don't. I I mean, he's, 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 he's brought a little bit more to his game, but, it, but again, the, the opportunity cost of having Noah Locke out there is that you don't have another great ball handler. You don't have another great defender. Um, he obviously does have, or I guess, Hey, I mean, he does help on the glass occasionally. Um, so that's something maybe he does, does as a plus, but um, yeah, I just uh, like, again, as much as I was, it's ragging on Florida's defense earlier. Uh, their defense was probably good enough to win in a, in a lot of night on a lot of nights. Uh, their offense wasn't their Their offense really was the problem with this game. And um, of course, most of that I feel is, is like you mentioned earlier, like pretty tough game for Trey Mann. like Tyree Appleby had 16 points, but I don't, I don't think he played particularly well, like good for him. He had a couple big buckets and big moments because 
man, he competes hard, but like on the whole tough night for Tyree Appleby. Uh, and so to, so to see, so to see Noah Locke play that much, it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a guy I probably would have liked to have seen. Uh, I think you would have too, uh, Niles Lane. Um, I, I, I know that Scotty Lewis almost, or I guess he did ultimately foul out. I, I still probably would have ran him more early, even though he did foul out. I would have preferred some of those minutes earlier when, um, when Arkansas was going on a run. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think we are at the point though, where, where as much as, you know, Mike White's trying out all kinds of different, uh, different rotations um when the common denominator and a lot of like bizarre rotations is is noah lock it shows that he does have trust in him as as a as a third-year player yeah i i agree and i you know i wonder if it would have been different if scotty lewis weren't in foul trouble um you know i think we saw a, a transition possession where niles lane did what i'm sure their coach to yeah. do and um you know, that shot is just not, it's not going to work. Uh, they've got, they've got to get it fixed. Uh, and, and that's not, that's not an in-season process uh, process when you're rehabilitating and reconstructing a jump shot. So, um, you know, that's probably what explains that, but, but yeah, I mean, I would have run Mike out or Mike, I would have run Lewis out again in the first half in particular when things were kind of slipping away from Florida because, uh, I thought like I thought Mike had good ideas like pressing to generate energy when they clearly were kind of not having a lot of it early. Like people are like, well, why would you press against a team that plays really fast and can exploit it? And it's like, well, Florida produced a couple turnovers. And another reason you do it is to get the juices going. And guys, especially I mean, again, it's like negative 15 degrees outside. Uh, they haven't played in 13 days. I mean, you got to you got to get it going a little bit. You know, Florida's 346 in the country and two foul participation rate, man. Like, uh, and and that number's probably still in the 300s if Keontae Johnson doesn't have what happened to him happen. Because I think Mike probably plays Keontae with two fouls, Eric. We saw him do it early in the season. But, like, why not do that with Scotty Lewis? If, if, he's, if you think he's that essential to you defensively and you take, like, the great numbers you presented and say, well, that's because I stick him on everybody's best player. All right. And, and, you know, you see how active he can be on a night like last night. Like, why are you sitting him um, with the two fouls? Then again, of course, Lewis, you know, Mike White's answer to that might be, we go on a nine, no run. And he jumps on somebody's back and picks up his fourth foul immediately. Like that's why. Because uh, I need him to play more in the second half, but when he's only going 15 minutes and Niles Lane isn't ready to go, you know, I guess you almost are like, well, we're default at 31 minutes of Noah Locke on a bad Noah Locke night. Well, and, and like you said, I think that's that is kind of the default. Like you maybe said right earlier, uh, was that always the plan? Maybe not. Well, it's like, well, he's it, in the last 10 games he's played under 30 minutes twice. So, you know, the, the plan is, is clearly the default for him is to play 30 plus minutes. And, um, apparently it doesn't seem to matter. Um, it, apparently it doesn't seem to matter if he's, if he's hitting shots or not. And, um, as, uh, Hey, and maybe if, if both Trey Mann and, and Tari Appleby were both playing awesome, um, Trey Mann gets out there a little bit more and, um, and that goes into, into Noah Locke's minutes because uh, again, even the fact that Samson or was able to get in there, you know, six more minutes than his normal, maybe zero. Um, that would change the rotation there. But, uh, uh, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall just a game of 
pretty weird rotations. I mean, starting the second half um, with Rusensev out there, um, pretty interesting that like Daruji, uh, Rusensev, Payne forward combination. Um, pretty interesting having Trey Mann on the bench to start the second half. Pretty interesting. Um, and then in the last two minutes of the game, Florida used seven different lineups. Uh, which was pretty wild. Um, it just seemed like every opportunity to try something new, it's uh, it got out there. And of course, in those last two minutes, you know, Florida goes from being up one to, to losing by eleven. So uh, didn't didn't go particularly well. But uh, yeah, I mean, here we are, the last couple of weeks of the season, just still uh, still wondering about rotations. Yeah, no, we are, and I, you know, I, I guess Florida is searching for things on both sides of the ball. One thing that they're going to need to get fixed is Trey Mann. Um, and I'm not trying to be hard on the kid. And it's hard to gauge, again, with the COVID pause, Eric. It's so difficult to, to gauge, you know, this performance and the South Carolina performance because they're 13 days apart. But, look, here's the bottom line. When Florida – Florida has four losses this season in games where Trey Mann's offensive rating uh, per Kimpom has been 75 or lower. Uh, and, and, you know, in the other games, I guess, they're 10 and 2. So – uh, those are games when it's above 80. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's got to be a little better than it was, and they've only lost one game where he was over 100, um, and that was to Florida State. So I think, you know, if you look at these numbers and you say in Florida's four-game winning streak, his worst offensive game was West Virginia when he was a, a 98 offensive rating-wise, and in that game he scored 22 points. Or in that game he scored, sorry, nine points. Um, but he made those three huge threes, right? Um, in the other three games for Vandy, Georgia, Tennessee, I mean, he was a monster. So Florida's going to kind of ride or die with Trey Mann offensively, I think, right now. And and that's that's where they're at. Now, in two of those games, they've also faced drop pick and roll coverage. And we've talked about how I think schematically they, they've got to adjust to that. But they also have to get uh, their star guard going. Uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to like chalking what's to what's rust and what's not, I mean, I, again, I see those like Noah Locke missed open three pointers, and I say that's that's probably rust. But uh, uh, again, I saw some tough shots off Noah Locke pick and rolls. Well, those are the shots that have been tough for his entire career. Um, you know, Scotty Lewis had one moment in in late in the second half where uh, where he attacked to close out really really well, and then he drove to the baseline got himself into trouble and threw the ball away right to a right to a Razorback, nowhere near Con Castleton, who I guess he was, you know, in, in the area play. And it's like, you know, on the broadcast, they're like, oh, you know, maybe that's some rust. And it's like, maybe it's rust. But I mean, those are those are the passes that he those are the problems he's had offensively his whole career. Or or Tyree Appleby, who has seven turnovers, a lot of it was him trying to drive the basketball and Arkansas players digging in and poking it away from him. I mean, those are the turnovers he's had trouble with all season. So it's like I I, I look at I, I look at Florida missing wide open threes and I say that's probably rust. I look at the stuff that's been a problem since day one and I say, well, I, I don't think you can chalk that kind of stuff up up to rust. And uh you know, for Trey Mann too, it, it, it was interesting. Like a, a lot of his shots did come where where Florida was uh, was down in, in crunch time, and and he took sure. a, a back three, and and those are tough shots. Though those are shots he has made this year, uh, and made them at a really high level. Obviously, didn't in this one, and but but I do wonder. I mean, uh, Trey Mann, who's been starting all year, um, 
sits during halftime and then sits coming off the bench to start the second half. Well, that's a decent way to ice a player who's used to playing a little bit more of a regular role. He sits for a little bit longer. I mean, probably 25, 30 minutes. So without playing basketball because of, uh, uh, because of the halftime into not starting the second half. So maybe a little bit of that is, is, is rhythm, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough when it's like, it's one of those moments where it's like, you know, Trey man shooting off the dribble. Uh, that's such a premium skill in basketball. And, and a lot of that comes down to like the, the end of tight games is where you really want those players to, to be able to do their thing. And, and unfortunately, yeah, he, he didn't have it when Florida kind of needed it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and it's not, we don't, we've, we've uh, been very complimentary and again, his defense was terrific. So, I mean, it's a, just a kid that I, people are like, Oh, it's this year. And I think on the podcast, the point that, that both you and I made um, last season was the jump kind of started last February for Trey and Florida just didn't get to play in March. Like it was coming though. Like you, you know, especially defensively. Um, And then he's, he's definitely just a much more confident offensive player uh, this season. So I hope that confidence comes back. Uh, Saturday when when Florida plays Georgia, but again they still, despite all these problems, they fight back and take that one point lead uh, with about three and a half minutes to go, and then back to back possessions. You get a Scotty Lewis drive that you mentioned, beautiful. Uh, well, man, well three possessions. Man misses a, a very open three pointer that he usually makes. Um, that would have put Florida up four. The Gators get a stop on a Lewis steal, um, and then Lewis attacks a closeout beautifully but passes the ball right to Arkansas for a layup, uh, a transition layup the other way when they had du- a, a, a nice duck-in pass by Lewis is, is a layup for Castleton. And then Tyree Appleby dribbles in to help um, on the following possession, you know, one of his seven turnovers. So uh, tough crowd on our, on uh, Appleby, by the way, like booing the kid every possession, like really loudly – when you didn't recruit him or offer him a scholarship is a weird flex. <laughs> yeah. Did I miss something there? Like I, I don't seem to recall them pursuing him in the, I mean, maybe we, we can maybe assume that the, the auto send email went to him when he went into the transfer portal um, for muscle man. Um, <laughs> I, I don't seem to remember. Yeah. I, I, I was actually I was genuinely interested what the, uh, the root of that, that salt was, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, did it affect him? I mean, maybe it's definitely a rough game, but he also seemed to seem to he did hit some pretty big buckets um, and felt pretty good about it as he should when the crowd's treating him that way. But uh, yeah, I did think the booing was uh, it was a, it was a surprising it was it was a, it was surprising the first time and surprising the uh, the last time when it happened. You know, fifty times throughout the game, every time he touched the ball. Yeah, yeah. He was. I mean, and he was more mad at, at the hive on Twitter than he was at the Arkansas fans uh, mm. based on his based on his post game Twitter feed. Um, you know, I guess I guess uh, some of the hive got into the players a little bit as well as the mm. coaches. Uh, last night, and it's a frustrating one, man. I, it's tough. It, it's a lost opportunity against a ranked team. They got to come back home and rally against the Georgia team that that has been playing uh, a lot better. You know, since they lost to Florida, they actually are three and two in conference play, and they have a win. Um, they have two wins over Ole Miss this year. Both games, I think Kermit Davis would like back, but they had a nice win over uh, Sharif Cooper and Auburn in Auburn uh, to start the month of February. And then, 
you know, played a pretty tight game with Tennessee before getting absolutely clowned by Alabama. But then they did what uh, Arkansas did and, and took advantage of the Jeremiah Tillmanless Missouri. Um, now, what I'll say about that game is Missouri was ahead by 13 points with like 15 minutes to go, and who knows what happened. Uh, Georgia shot the ball lights out too in that uh, in that game in in the second half in particular, but the the dog shot 47 percent from deep. Well, and I think that uh, for Georgia, who doesn't have a, a massive player in, in the middle, uh, that, that is a little bit small in the front court. I mean, man, not having Jeremiah Tillman for, for, for Missouri, that's a pretty big break, I would say, uh, for Georgia. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, of course, the, the first time that they played and, and Florida won the game, it was one of those ones where we probably thought that Florida didn't play particularly well, but it was one of those games where it's just like, man, like Trey Mann just like hit shots. Um, or, you know, Florida's, Florida's athletes like Omar Payne and Anthony DeRuji just got, got rebounds that they were just more athletic than, than anyone on Georgia. So, uh, I feel like, again, when Florida maybe didn't think they played particularly well against Arkansas, maybe they need that kind of performance, uh, this time around against, against Georgia, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's just I, I'm always intrigued, obviously, by the by the second uh, second meeting of these of these games, and of course, Florida had some second meetings canceled, so this is a uh, this is going to be an interesting one. But uh, uh, I I don't know, Neil. I do do you feel any differently about this Georgia team this time around than you did uh, when Florida first played them? Only a little bit, Eric. Uh, what I feel a little bit differently about is Georgia offensively. Uh, I think that they're a little better now. Um, and I think that the biggest reason for that is fairly obvious. And, and it is now Florida, Florida played them um, with Katie Johnson the first time, but it was like Katie Johnson's fourth college game. And in the first half, he did some silly stuff. Uh, and then in the second half, he actually scored 16 points against Florida. And now he's Georgia's leading scorer. Um, so he's kind of taken that mantle and he's given – Xavier Wheeler, who we both think is is a really terrific uh, little point guard, you know, kind of an option for them. And the other thing about KD is, wow, he's still trying to figure out how to finish at the rim. Uh, he's he's pretty sweet at attacking closeouts because of his big frame, and so he's got he's getting to the free throw line. And then when uh, the other move he has is the little uh, Duncan Dipsy Do uh, sidestep three pointer. Uh, Duncan Robinson style, which, you know, when you're 41% uh, from three point range, that's pretty good. When you're shooting 41 and you're 39 off the dribble, um, that means you can, you can hit him anyway. He can catch and shoot. He can move his feet. So I like him. I think he's a really nice player. Going to probably be an all SEC guy for, for Tom Crean or whoever replaces Tom Crean. <laughs> yeah. Some of that, again, something I always love is those, uh, those player, similar player profiles on, on Ken Palm and, and two of the guys that he's similar to is Terrence Davis uh, and Mac McClung. So that's uh, a pretty interesting couple guards he's been compared to. Uh, I, I definitely think uh, something that's been pretty crazy is like severe, severe Wheeler, just such a good passer in transition. Uh, but Katie Johnson has been someone who's been able to get buckets in transition. Uh, someone who gives, gives a target for, uh, for Wheeler in, in off the break. And again, for a Georgia team that 
was very reliant on transition coming into Florida's first game. Um, you look at the numbers, they've gone even more towards uh, transition in the last couple weeks and uh, their efficiency in the half court has gone down and their, uh, their efficiency in transition has only gone up. So I do think that Katie Johnson takes a team that was already quite good in transition and quite reliant in transition. And he makes them even more reliant on transition and even more efficient in transition. So uh, w- one thing that that's, that's actually pretty interesting that I don't think we talked about that Florida deserves credit for um, is the fact that Florida is actually one of the best transition teams in the country by the, by the metrics, um, which is, uh, I, I think I've said on this podcast before that I have never in all my years of looking at, at, at teams, offensive profiles, I've never seen a team that's more efficient um, offensively in the half court than transition. Like every team just seems to be better in transition offensively than in the half court. But Florida right now, by a, just a margin is a more efficient defensive transition team than, than half court. And that would be crazy if Florida keeps that up. Um, like that would be truly, truly insane. So right now Florida is giving up 0.847 points per possession in the half court and 0.843 points per possession in transition. So it is uh, the tiniest sliver, but um but just the fact that those numbers are anywhere close um, really speaks to, to how good Florida has been as a transition transition defensive team, which, you know, we haven't always been very compliment. You know, we haven't complimented Florida's defense too often this season, but uh, their half court or sorry, their transition defense has, has been really good. And uh, yeah, George is going to test that. Yeah, I think they are. And then the, in the half court, one of the guys that has kind of started to blossom a little bit for them is uh Tumani camera who, who is kind of a, a modern day power forward in that he's, he's real quick and, um, you know, has worked on his range. Uh, he, I don't think he's an NBA. I remember when he came from Belgium and he was like, depending on the mock you went to, he'd be like in the second round or like I saw one in the athletic, he was in the late first round last year. And wow. I was kind of like, huh? It was like, huh? Um, but I don't think he's that caliber of an athlete, but, but certainly I think as a guy that has improved uh, his game and is just really tenacious on the glass uh, and, and for a team that's small, uh, that is so, so crucial. And it also gives them, you know, a little bit of a leg to stand on as an offensive rebounding group when they are in the half court and aren't able to get out and run. Yeah, it is. It is so impressive to me that they're uh, like currently they're 22nd in the country in offensive rebounding percentage, uh, which is just super impressive when you see the fact that they're not super long. Um, they play super small, a lot of positions, but uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's he's been really good for them. I definitely like him more as a as a defender than a uh, uh, than an offensive player, and I think right now he's shooting 24 percent from the three point line, which yeah. Maybe if he's a high thirties guy, then you could kind of say, okay, there's a maybe NBA future NBA role player. Um, I had no idea he was that high on mock draft. So that is a wild, wild, you know, in retrospect. Um, I thought you'd like that. <laughs> I, I very much like that. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, of course too. Uh, actually, I've got a question for you, Neil. What is, what is cornier to you from, from SEC coaching? Is it one, Georgia and Tom Crean listing all their uh, all their positions as B for basketball player in the media guide because they <laughs> or is it Eric Musselman who the other day dressed up in a full UPS uniform and told his team it's time to deliver what is that what is the cornier move as an SEC coach oh must must okay <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that is the answer, but but honorable, you know, honorable mention to Tom Crean who who lists all his players as B for basketball player in his uh in his media guides. 
let me go get a let me go slurp down a, a diet coke while we talk about how how that is truly corny by the way for for gator fans that haven't had enough arkansas flashbacks one of the uh ken palm player comparisons for tumani camera is justin smith who just murdered florida uh <laughs> on tuesday night uh so by the way did you see who trey mans is right now no i haven't looked you want to guess Trey Mann, um, can you give me a, a league for who? Yeah, hold on just a second, and I'll tell <laughs> you a league. All right, I will. All I'll say is that uh, he has been the subject of many deadline rumors uh, on a team expected to contend for the title in the <laughs> National Basketball Association. Uh, tra- like, uh, or I guess he was already traded, but Karis Levert, Spencer. Oh, okay. okay. I was close. I was close. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Very yeah, interesting. So I, thought I, I thought you would enjoy that. Huh. I actually like when I sat back and thought of that, I was like, that kind of makes sense. Um, although I don't know if Spencer has that like f- float, like a butterfly sting, like a bee element to his game <laughs> that you were mentioning. <laughs> Um, huh. like I will miss, I will miss that about Trey, man. It's just like, it is like watching, uh, it's just, he's just very graceful yeah. <laughs> on a vast, you know, and there's I, I, an element to that that I truly appreciate as a, as like a basketball person. Well, I think, I, I think I told you this story, but, uh, when I was on my honeymoon with my wife and it's before I was writing about the Gators or anything and, uh, and Darius Nichols, uh, um, very, very nice of him. He let me and my wife come, come and watch practice. And that was the, uh, that was the elite eight year. Um, anyways, they're, they're running practice and, and pressing green is just getting everyone warmed up and they had the agility ladders out. And I truly like, like I could watch Casey Hill go on the agility ladder for like an hour. Like I just wanted to loop. It was like ASMR to me. Like it was just like beautiful watching, watching this stuff on the agility ladder. And then, uh, yeah, and then again, like, uh, there's just been a couple times where, florida's twitter account has has been putting out there what you know those really good practice videos they do and and there's just like shown train that on the agility ladder and i'm just like in awe of how graceful it's like his head doesn't move up or down or left to right it's just like completely stable and his feet are just so quick yeah he, he just he has the ability to glide some guys have it it's just it's incredible yeah no it is um the one thing that that we haven't mentioned too much with georgia that i mean i think we should keep this in perspective is you know the dogs are still lingering. They've well, they've actually moved into the top 100 again in in Ken Palm after falling out of it earlier in the season. They really really struggle to guard. Um, so if there's a if there's a get well game uh, for Florida, where Florida has struggled offensively, it's got to be uh, this one. And then I think the key is just whether Florida can show up enough defensively. I mean, the best two defenders that Georgia has or PJ Horn who plays for no other reason than he's supposed to be able to guard people. And then I think you mentioned, uh, Tumani camera, uh, beyond that, there's really not a plus defender. Katie Johnson is not one at all. Uh, he's got to figure out how to use that big body to, to guard better. I mean, like, as I look at him and I go, man, that's kind of what Keontae Johnson looked like as a freshman. And that's frightening, but I mean, he's like, his hips are like Noah Locke. It's like very <laughs> rigid uh, defensively, but without any of the like fundamental stuff that Noah does. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, maybe it would have been Christian Brown if he was healthy, but I, I, I think he's yeah. not. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, I mean, it's and what's interesting is, uh, which we would have we would have laughed at this sentiment maybe three years ago starting the podcast, but uh, Florida's an offense first basketball team. Like, they need to score. Their 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 defense is is not great, and if they're going to reach whatever their ceiling is this year, it's, it's likely going to be as an, as an offensive team. So, uh, yeah, like you said, Neil, I think this is uh, Georgia's about as good of a get-back opportunity as you're going to get. Um, so let's, uh, let's see what they, see what they're going to be able to do. Yep. No doubt. Um, for those that, that geek out over this kind of stuff, uh, Florida is in both Mark Turvick and Kim Palm predicted to win all four of their final games. So no pressure guys, uh, you know, get it going, uh, Saturday, see if you can, you can improve your seed position, uh, for the SEC tournaments. Gators still not in very bad shape on that front. As long as, they don't lose games like this one. I think they have to certainly hold serve on their home floor, which would include a win over Missouri. Um, and Jeremiah Tillman is expected back this weekend uh, after death in his family. So uh, Missouri should probably return to being Missouri, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so Florida will have that challenge and it looks like Kentucky's kind of getting back on their feet and then they'll have to deal with the Sharif Cooper show. The crazy thing about this is Florida could very easily lose all of these games. They could also, <laughs> they could also win all of them. So we'll see. I, I, I think, like you said, I mean, they're favored. I'm looking at Ken Palm. I mean, they're favored to win, but I mean, they're favored to win by one against Auburn. They're favored to win again by one against Kentucky. So, uh, right. and, and, prob- and, and, you know, and four it win by four against Missouri. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, those, those games are tight and uh, whew, man, um, Florida's probably in the tournament right now, uh, the NCAA tournament, but uh, man, uh, you, you, you drop a couple of these ones and, and things could get, Things get pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's take care of business, starting with Georgia. Yeah, no, they're safe. They're not even in bubble profiles uh, in in most of the big bracket things yet. But if they lose Saturday, all the bracket, all the bubble articles Monday have them in the bubble. So this is like the game where you go from safe in the field to right on the smack on the bubble. And oh, by the way, you got to go deal with with Sharif Cooper. Uh, so have a good time trying to not lose four in a row. Um, you know, against Bruce Pearl, who, uh, you know, I don't know. That Auburn team, they're kind of enigmatic. If, if they wouldn't have Cooper, it would be one where you circle it as a dub. But uh, Florida has not dealt with the Sharif Coopers of the world very well um, this season. Well, for as relates to Sharif Cooper, I guess only Baylor has. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, big one. Um, so thanks for joining us. And we will be back after the Georgia game. Oh, and good luck to the uh, Gator Baseball uh, opening their brand-new ballpark on uh, Friday, weather permitting. I hope everybody enjoys that from their living room since uh, I think tickets are going for, like, tickets to socially distanced baseball are going for, like, $700. Uh, So uh, who has that kind of bread? All right. Yeah, that's it. That's that's elite uh, live activity in, in, the, in the COVID world. So, I mean, that's those prices are a little ridiculous uh, while we're doing little shout outs. Um, also, a uh, 
Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers for Lavender Briggs. Uh, awesome score for the women's basketball team. She's out for the season, and I love watching her play. And uh, she once gave me a very good recommendation for a taco place in Provo, Utah. So uh, that was great too. So, uh, but I've been <laughs> mostly, uh, mostly, uh, mostly. Yeah, she's a great basketball player. So definitely sucks for the women's team. And Cam Newbauer has things going. So I uh, hope she recovers to uh, recovers well. Yeah. No. Let's just shout out that whole program. I mean. Mm-hmm. If you look at the if you look at the record, you really wouldn't know. But if you've watched them play, like they've been very close to beating a bunch of people, and they start four sophomores. So, um, you know, I really think the future is is brighter than it has been in quite some time. Well, Lavender Briggs is a five star who like plays like a five star. Like she's awesome. So uh, definitely a treat. If uh, when when she is back next season, I would make sure that uh, if you didn't maybe check out too many games this year or many, uh, yeah, definitely definitely check out those games next year because yeah, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be one of the better teams that we have seen in, in recent memory from the women's from the women's basketball program. All right, everybody, thanks.